Thank you for joining us on the coaching podcast. As part of the Sin Network, we are passionate about equipping church planters to live out the call God has placed on their lives. Join us as we talk through healthy coaching practices and why every church planter needs one. Here's your host, Dino Sinesi. Welcome to the Church Planter Coaching Podcast. My name is Dino Sinesi, and I am the director of coaching for the Sin Network. And I have as a guest again, uh, Scott Sanders. He is the executive director of Geneva Push. Geneva Push is an Australian church planting network, and uh, we I'm enjoying learning from him and spending time with him. He's spending some time in the States, uh, spent some time in Chicago, right? And, yep. And now Atlanta, and you're going to Tennessee, my home state. I'm going via Chattanooga and then up to Nashville. I'm going to the home, home of country. Are you going to check out uh, Lifeway and Todd and everybody there, or what's, I, I'm, what's Nashville? I'm looking forward to catching up with Todd and Daniel. I'm catching up with some really good friends, uh, Scott McConnell and Lizette Beard. They've, Lifeway Research have been a real blessing to our network. They've given us great data on the Australian church planting scene just in the last year. And then three years ago, they did a great study on, on what makes a successful Aussie, mm-hmm. but you'd say Australian, mm-hmm. Australian church planner. And, uh, and, and that's, been, that's been critical just to put in the hands of a church planner realistic expectations. Uh, you know, uh, all the, the literature you know, that we have on church planning really does come from a North American context. And so, you know, we're talking about launching large, you know, 200 people. And in Australia, it's, 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 it's a slow, hard work of, uh, of getting a church to be evangelized into existence. Well, let me go down a side road, but it's your fault. You brought it up. Uh, well, one side road, by the way, of all those people you mentioned, I like them all. Lizette Beard is the best. Oh, she is totally, yeah. yeah. Lizette. Uh, she rocks. She, she's, <laughs> she's been fantastic. So she came down and did, uh, I spent a week, you know, spent, spent a week sort of sending her around doing focus groups. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was, it was hilarious. So yeah. Uh, yeah, big shout out to Lizette. She's uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fun. But expectations. So I do realize that expectations are different in Australia, but expectations are killers of church planters everywhere. That's correct. Uh, and uh, my friend Clint Clifton did an incredible tool. He created a tool that uh, where a planter would put uh, essentially evaluate his expectations starting, and then in a year he would come back yeah, to that. Yeah, great tool. Uh, it's okay. a really. I have to show it to you. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's in the back matter of of uh, my, my book that'll be coming out at the end of the year. So so uh, <laughs> good segue there. You yeah, need to buy that. By the book. way, <laughs> no, it'd be free for most everybody. But it's but uh, no, it's and his book is really good too uh, in church planning thresholds. Yeah. So but but anyway, uh, talk about expectations, man. How could we help these guys? Uh, Set realistic expectations. Well, I, I think uh, I think one of them, one of the key things, is is to encourage them not to not to do everything yesterday. Uh, you know, so the helpful thing is actually, yeah, putting down. You know, at six months we're going to be at this level. At twelve months we're going to be at this level, uh, and and check you know check those goals and make sure they're realistic. Because um, so what is it? You know, in Australia, what does that look like? Well, by year three or four, you should be about seventy. You know, seventy to eighty people, um, and that's okay. You, you know, now we we have planners in our network who are at two fifty or three hundred, mm-hmm. but they're in city contexts. They're in places where there are you know there are loads of people, or they're in a new growth area where where people are moving in, and and it's it's relatively easier easier to, uh, to to reach somebody. So that that'd be the first one. I think part of it would be to always just check your mo- motivations as well. So um, you know we uh, we go to conferences and. 
uh, you know, and hear the hear the best often. And uh, and so I'd, I'd always be saying to a church planner, check you know, check your motivations and your heart. W- what are you doing this for? Like the reality is, no one has no one has pure motivations. Uh, unfortunately, we're or we're all sin we're all sinners. Right. Uh, we're all in need of grace. Yep. And so. I think always we need to ask ourselves, you know, what are our what are our motivations? And I think having realistic expectations, uh, you know, helps drive behaviour. You know, we want to see the lost reached. We want to see more people in discipleship groups, in investigating Jesus groups, and then meeting regularly around the Word of God. That's, I mean, church planning at the end of the day is is seeing people evangelised, and the fruit of that is is a church. So yeah. And I heard on your on your website uh, one of your uh, planters talking about the hard deadlines and the soft deadlines. Mm. I thought that was interesting, and even in expectations, understanding what's a soft deadline and a hard deadline. Of course, coach helping with both of those. Man. Plan, plan in pencil. That's another one. You know, like so, plan in pencil, uh, which means you know, God could like we had one planter who uh, they were they were struggling to get through that sort of you know out of out of the home you know the forty to fifty um, group a local house church the pastor burnt out. And so they got 30 people. So they were able to launch, you know, six months ahead of time. Now, you, you don't you don't say, you know, you don't put in your plan, have a local house church fold and, and enfold them into the church. That that just right. happens. Yeah. Right, right. So, well, let's talk about your coaching system a little bit more. Uh, we talked in general about coaching in, in our previous podcast, but uh, I, I want to talk about what you're seeing that's working really well in coaching. You know, we have a lot of coaches listening to and some people who are in charge of coaching systems, coaching champions in cities, uh, coaching leaders. And so I want them to be encouraged uh, in, in what they're doing as well. Well, it's, it's helpful to know that all our coaches have ministry experience in the Australian context and all of our coaches also have church planting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a number, we do have a, a smaller number who have significant ministry experience, but majority of our coaches all have Australian church planning uh, experience, and that's uh, I think that's important. You know, even the, you know the British are different to us, even though we you know sound a little bit similar. And the Americans, again, we're very similar in lots of areas, but we're also different. So I think it's important uh, for them to have an Australian you know church planning coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you've seen it. The, Amer- the one of the great things about the US is they're able to monetize and systematize and curriculumize anything, and then put it online and and sell a you know a coaching tool. I'd encourage an Australian church planner to be getting coached by an Australian. Likewise, I'd say to her, if you're planning in North Carolina, find someone in North Carolina who has planted a church there and, and you know, get alongside him. Yeah, so, I, I love that too, uh, just so that when they look at the harvest, they're seeing the exact same thing. Mm. Uh, and coaching that's driven by the harvest, driven by the mission of God, is so much more important than some kind of tool or technique to help somebody, and so the real the real help to me is a mutual heart mm, mm. Uh, for what's going on. So we see the same outcome. Uh, we see coaching as a means to an end, not as an end into itself. Mm. And so I think it's critical. I, I think there's people from outside that can speak in in a, in a unique way and a valuable way, but I love it when somebody from right there uh, that understands can walk alongside. So yeah, so please hear me saying we want to always be learners. We want to have a posture of learning. So so don't hear me saying I, I yeah. The reason I'm in America is to is to learn. You know yeah. that that uh, uh, that's why I'm here. I think I think the other thing in terms of what's working right now for coaching. Well, ultimately it's the same. It's the same everywhere, isn't it? Uh, the power of the glory of the gospel. It's our message. It's the thing that we want our planners to be uh, motivated by, uh, shaped by. Our church planners are uh, you know their messages, their proclaimers of the gospel, and so. Uh, the thing we've got going for us is, I, I think we've got uh, we've got the most the most credible, plausible story for how to live 
you know, in the in in the in the world that God has created for mm. us. And so I think we need to keep reminding ourselves that as coaches, uh, especially because we can be technique driven and we uh, we can you know slip into I've, I've got the methodology that works. Uh, and so we need to remind ourselves the methodology that works is is the Holy Spirit working through His Word. Uh, preaching and proclaiming uh, uh, Jesus. We've also my director of coaching is going to want to say as well. We've got a di- we've got a great director of coaching. Uh, so I think uh, I, I I you know just like you, I've got a I've got a great team of coaches, volunteer coaches who are who are giving up their time, and then I've got a great uh, I've got two directors of coaching. One who's training our our wives, one who's training our our, our blokes, our our husbands. Uh, both those uh, both Craig and Kathy. Uh, it, they're the exceptional godly people. They're experienced. They're you know they're over fifty, um, you know so they've got the grey hairs. They've got the ministry experience, uh, and they've got a heart a heart that wants to train and equip um, our network. And so we can't do coaching without volunteer coaches. There's no way I could catch up with seventy five church planners by myself. We've got a network of forty five coaches who are doing the hard work of you know listening to our planters every month and uh, and helping them work through blockages and everything else. Excellent. And and really we can learn to from you all about wives coaching. Uh, the first group of wives being trained to coach planters is actually coming up in 2 weeks. Uh, and so we're just really getting started. So I'm looking forward to talking to your coaching directors and uh, dialoguing a little bit about what's going well for them, but I appreciate looking at 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 both elements. Of, of, of the church planting, planting coaching, t- our team, church planting team, which is the husband and the wife if mm. we're married. Yeah. Mm. So, so very good. What's your biggest challenge now when it comes to providing a planter for every coach and even a, a, a coach for every planter and then a coach for every planter's wife? Uh, yeah, I, I guess our biggest challenge at the moment is, um, yeah, with, our, with both our wives and, and husbands coaching, we do have, a, we do have an, you know, an, oversupply, an oversupply at the moment, but it, so part of that is, you know, I want, we want to be ahead of the curve. Uh, we want to be training, you know, more than we need. We want to be training too much because you, 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 want, you want training to be happening just prior to when you're actually going to implement it. It's far, it's far better than, you know, learning something five years ago and then only just uh, implementing it today. Uh, so one of the biggest challenges, I guess, is that in Australia we, we are small. Evangelical Christians are a, a, a small group where we're under-resourced. Um, we're doing evangelism in a, in a hostile context as well. So there's there's gospel climate change. Um, you know the the climate now has has I guess moved from apathy to to open hostility towards Christianity and Christian values in um, in Australia. There's you know churches are being targeted, and if you're a Christian, you're, you're being targeted um, by you know main, mainstream media as well as uh, you know non-mainstream media as well. So I think in all that, that means that. You know, we just don't have. I was telling you over breakfast this morning. You know, I don't have a city that has you know twenty five church plants going off at you know the one time. Like I, I look, I, I look with, uh, I look with, you know, with with envy and, and jealousy that you know I, I see Texas of you know they're starting forty churches this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's just in one city area, mm-hmm. and I think I mean praise God that that is that is great. We need more churches in Texas. Um, but if I look across Australia and across our network, we've got you know, 12, 13 churches kicking off this year. You know, next year my goal is to see 25. Okay. But under God, I know that, uh, well, I know that I've got 15 kind of in the pipeline, but where am I going to find these 10? So our big, you know, our biggest challenge with the system is how do you, how do you with little resource um, equip coaches with the enough of what they need um, to actually do the coaching well? And I, and I think we've got a system that does that, you know, uh, and I don't know if you want to ask more questions about the training here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what does what does training look like? 
we talked a little bit about that, but your process, it's a process. It's not really just an event. Yeah. So uh, one, of the, one of the books that was really helpful for us was uh, Scott Thomas and Tom Wood's book, Gospel Coaching. Uh, we, we also had a local coaching director at the start who had been doing a lot of coaching locally. We, uh, we have a, a two-day intensive uh, coach training process and then uh, a coaching trial process over six months. And so our coaches will do uh, a day first, in their, generally in their local context, our coaching director will travel there, do a day's coaching training. They'll get the, the nuts and bolts. They'll do a lot of practical you know, uh, you know, coaching trials where they can observe, you know, do it themselves and, and, then, what, uh, and, then, and then be coached themselves. Uh, then they would gather together at our national conference and do another day's training. Uh, and then they would do six trihorts. So over six uh, months, they'd do a monthly trihort with uh, three other, three other uh, church planning coach, coach trainees and our, and our director of coaching. Now, they, they'll, they'll actually be coaching each other with real live ministry issues. They'll get a bit of input from our director of coaching as well. So they'll get the, the skill and the tool. Then they'll get an opportunity to implement that in a, in a, you know, in a coaching conversation. Uh, and, and then they've got the input of, of, you know, the expert director of coaching, mm-hmm. uh, but also the, the benefit of hearing from each other about how they can uh, do better. Now, in the course of that six months, our director of uh, coaching is identifying who actually gets it, you know, who, who understands what coaching is. You know, it's not mentoring, it's not discipling, it's not telling, uh, it's not training, it, it's coaching. Uh, you know, so who, who, who gets that? And then, you know, we give them a tick. We don't, we don't have a ceremony or a certificate or anything like that. But the aim will then be to put them with a church planter, you know, within within six months, uh, so that they can actually be used and, and equipped. Yeah, the the most they'll learn is when they actually get a church planter. But you're setting them up really well. You're you're taking some really good steps. I love the triad idea and working more after the training. We don't work as much after the training. We we get them going pretty fast. So now you, the wheels are turning. And then, and then uh, the other thing is, every two years we want to bring our guys back for a fresher. So we're 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 trialing online stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also trying to work out ways to to get our coaches to come to our national conference. And and partly that's we want a network that's raising up the next generation. So I want our coaches bringing planters. I want our coaches starting new churches. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you know they they planted the church ten years ago. And now they're thinking. Okay, do that again. Let, let's do that again. Let's yeah, get something else out. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So, um, okay, well, I want to wrap up with thinking about the unique challenges that, uh, that, a, co- that a coach and a planter face uh, in, in coaching. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think uh, one of the strengths of church planters is that they're keen. I don't know, does that, does that translate? Uh, they they're keen, you know, they're... They they're keen. They want they want to, you know. It's kind of they want to be doing the thing yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they're really they're really impatient to get started. Let's let's use proper American English. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so what does that mean? Well, it means they don't want to listen and they don't want to reflect. Um, and so I think that's hard sometimes. You, sometimes you do need to, you know, to tell a church mm-hmm. what to do. You know, Ken Blanchard with his his situational right uh, coaching. You know, another great American uh, American leadership tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to sometimes tell a church planter what to do because they don't have uh, they don't have the tools themselves. They don't have the knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and so it's really important we actually uh, you know need to do that. So I think their their keenness, their impatience to get started means they don't want to listen and reflect. Uh, I think another thing that I, I, I see amongst sort of the church planning community uh, and and with coaching church planners is that some some of our church planners they focus on the vibe, but they neglect basic questions about theological unity, 
and about how to reach the un, the unchurched. So they're more concerned with you know with the show and and with what church is going to be looking like. You know what what music choices are we going to use? What am I going to you know wear on Sunday? Uh, now they 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 are important. You know we need to think about the aesthetic when we're trying to reach a, de- a demographic or a, or a person. Um, but if it's at the neglect of thinking about well how do I get this you know this diverse group of uh, people on 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 board with with actually seeing the vision of seeing a church started? If it's at the neglect of um, of actually doing the work of, a, of an evangelist, then uh, then they're missing, you know, they're missing something. Uh, so I would say, you know, don't don't just focus on the vibe. Uh, you know, keep thinking, how do I how do I input into these people a you know a desire to see the word, you know, people gathering in the word and and uh, and then taking that word out to to the streets. Third thing, uh, some focus on being more theologically pure, but they ne- neglect. Uh, evangelistic strategies, they don't give their time to doing the work of evangelists. So I'll, you've heard me talk about evangelism twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means they spend their time in their study working on their sermon. They spend time in their study, uh, you know, often on Facebook arguing with people that aren't even in their local community. Um, and so we need to keep reminding a church planner, they don't need to be the, the best evangelist, uh, but they need to model it. They need to regularly be saying to their, you know, their church family through their, you know, through their preaching, hey, you know, I was out talking to Dino, he, you know, he runs an Italian restaurant. I've been taking my family there for, you know, for ages. And man, I sucked this week. You know, like I, I tripped up and I, I said the wrong thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 that's you know, and that's okay. And they also need to hear. Yet yeah, I've been talking to Dino for the last, you know, twelve months, and he's finally said yes to come along to our McDonald's prayer group. You know, where we, you know, where the guys just get together and pray. And, and he said, yeah, I want to come along and read the Bible with you. Um, you know, so that needs to be, you know. 25, you know, 40% of your time either doing evangelism with others, doing it yourself, um, you know, or, you know, modeling, uh, modeling that, you know, reading the Bible one-on-one. Ultimately, the, the, word, the word of God is, you know, it's the most powerful tool in the, in the church planners' kickbox, uh, you know, toolbox. So, so get it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. Well, and, and you just made me click back into an old story I told you at breakfast, but literally in the 60s when it wasn't cool. <laughs> There was a pastor sitting down in an Italian restaurant talking to my dad, and that's exactly his story. So, so uh, uh, that that's that's good. So accountability, I think, is the way you'd sum up some of addressing those unique challenges that the coach uh, brings accountability to the table, so that the planter would process these things. That's why you're the coaching guy, and I'm <laughs> and I'm not the coaching guy. That's why you're writing the book, and I'm just talking on a podcast. No, no, but but really, these are these are typical struggles and 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 typical blind spots, and the consistency, the abiding coach mm. who's there, who gets to know the heart and the passions, and even is able to directly communicate when he sees uh, the the planter move off course in a direction that's going to be damaging for him or damaging for others. So, so man, I've enjoyed these two podcasts. I've enjoyed time together with you. I know you got more people to see. Uh, and if you're out there and you're a new coach and, and maybe you're looking for some encouragement in most Sin Cities, uh, there's going to be a coaching champion or there's going to be a Sin City missionary in all, uh, all cities that will help you uh, develop your skills and get opportunities to help church planters through coaching. But I appreciate all you guys out there who are volunteering coaching, not only in Australia, but also in the States. Mm. Uh, we could not do it without the great volunteer force that's helping our planters uh, move forward and, and uh, fulfill what God's calling them to do. So this is the end of our podcast today. Until the next time, keep coaching. 
You have been listening to The Coaching Podcast, a resource of the North American Mission Board. Are you a church planner in need of a coach? Visit namb.net slash coaching to learn more.